0: This is Greater Together, a podcast designed to give listeners an inside look at how small business owners grow and evolve over time to become greater. I'm Rachel Kershaw. So I'm here today with Tony Bell from Phoenix Consulting. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you, Rachel.
0: So do you want to tell us a little bit about Phoenix Consulting and what you do?
1: I'd love to tell you more about what Phoenix Consulting does. So we are a company that focuses on leadership development. We design coursework, whether it's a single day, half day, or ongoing learning academy. Our niche is people that are up and coming leaders, so current and emerging leaders, as well as working from the C-suite through the frontline employee and even the supplier. But again, our specialty, our sweet spot, is working with current emerging leaders.
0: Nice. So it's all sort of custom made for each client.
1: It is. You would think that it would, it's, a t- it's a ton easier to do something that's right out of the box, something that we've designed long ago and perfected, but we do customize that so that it really speaks to the company and the people that we're working with in that, in that vein.
0: Awesome. So you've been doing this how long?
1: 18 years.
0: Wow, that's a long time.
1: It is, but it seems like yesterday. Nice. Although it doesn't seem like yesterday, when I look at the library of courses that we've developed and all the materials that have been amassed over those years, you realize, like, wow, we've done a lot
0: of work. Yeah, in 18 years? Yeah, I bet. What got you started originally?
1: Interestingly enough, I was an executive at bank at a bank and we were merging with another organiz- another bank to be to move from 16th in the nation to third. and that was a really big jump. It was a big transition and I was a part of that transition team. I just noticed so many things that were happening at that time. Um, so everything from the low low unemployment rate that we had, we were bringing lots of new employees in, and they just had this interesting mindset. And I knew that there were things that I could do in that new employee orientation space and ongoing development space, as well as listening to senior leaders having their opinions about people and who would be upwardly mobile, et cetera. And I thought, you know, I, I would love to be able to help both sides of that equation, We brought in a consultant, an external consultant. That person spent about 90 minutes with us asking questions about what we had been talking with the group about, and they got up on stage and did this presentation, and people said, oh my goodness, that person was wonderful. And I thought, we've been toiling for months, you know, trying to get the group in into their groove, right, for this transition right. to not be afraid. And um, in a short time, they believe this external person. So I thought, well, I want to have the best results in the least amount of time. I want to be that person. So they kind of got me started. And then I went and talked with a state representative who said, go volunteer at the Urban League, and I happened to volunteer, wrote a three-day course, and when they were done, they are like, what can we do with this? And I said, whatever you'd like to, you can have it. They submitted it as part of a grant, and it ended up being part of the Workforce Investment Act, uh, one of the first grants given in the country.
0: Wow, so you had success before you even got started.
1: Yeah, it was beginner's luck, and at the time, I didn't realize just how fortunate I was, because it was a two-year contract. It ended up becoming a two-year contract, but based on performance, et cetera, it ended up becoming a four-year contract, and um, the original grant was $2.75 million, and wow. it got bumped up to $4.25 million. Now, granted, I didn't get to take all sure. the money home, but it was just nice to know that I was part of something that was so... Groundbreaking, meaningful, and, and valued. Successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. So, you had these early successes. So, to go to the first question of what scared you about starting this in the beginning and isn't scary anymore, like with all that success, how scary was it in the beginning?
1: So, I was a young professional at that time. So, I was, you know, then the age that many of the, the millennials are now. And I continually felt afraid as to whether or not I truly knew enough. Like, in my heart, I knew that I was gifted to do what I was doing. I had a knack for it. I was willing to put in the work. But am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I ready enough? Will this be meaningful enough? Um, And I just kept, you know, I would just do the very best that I could and pray to goodness that at the end of it, they wouldn't say, We'd like our money
0: back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were scared they'd want their money back if you hadn't done a good enough job.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's... You know, I guess in a way that's good because it keeps you humble and it keeps you working really hard. Um, but at some point, it's important to be able to trust yourself.
0: Sure. Yeah. So what did being scared actually... What, what kind of toll did being scared take on your early work?
1: Um, I think the... I think the toll it took is that I probably worked myself half to death um, because you know so I was a, I was married but the marriage wasn't working out very well so I was pretty much operating as a singled parent and I like to put that ED at the end of it um, so I was working pretty much as a singled parent and I was committed to getting my children off to work off to school in a timely manner and you know, take them to school and pick them up from from school as often as I possibly could. And so therefore, I was working from 4 a.m. and I wasn't stopping until midnight or 1. Wow. Um, You know, in addition to parenting duties, which I valued and prioritized. um, But I, I think that probably, I mean, there were some times when I remember us needing to leave the house because it's fourth of July and we're going, you know, back to my hometown and the kids are sitting in the car going, you know, are you coming yet? And I'm like, you know, just 10 more minutes. I've got to finish writing this. Um, so yeah, I think working myself near to death and just kind of, um, recognizing that, man, I, I just, I just didn't turn it off. Not very often.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so that was, 18 years ago, Yeah. do you have any moments in the years in between where it really kicked in and you, you stopped being worried that it wasn't good enough?
1: Yeah, I wish, so I would say it's probably more recent than not. Um, I mean, I think each year I become more and more comfortable, but I think what's really helped is seeing people years and years later, so seeing people half decade or a decade more um, later and they'd stop me and say hey Tony oh my gosh you know I was in your class and you know usually I'd remember the face sometimes I'd remember their name which was pretty awesome but they would be able to give us something specific about the session that I facilitated for them and why it was meaningful that's amazing yeah so I think the feedback that was very ex ex post facto helped out a lot
0: so really, just having those students years later still remember the impact you made—that's yeah. a pretty big indicator that what you're doing is successful.
1: Yeah, and like I said, you know, it took sometimes it was five years later or ten years later, and last year I did um, a year-long academy for a group. And it was because that HR director remembered me from 12 years ago, wow. had now gone to this other organization and looked me up. And since then, I had changed my name and, you know, and I'm not super easy to find on the web. My work is usually word of mouth, you know, it's, it's one, one-to-one relationships. I wish I was a little better at the social media, but I also am very comfortable with you know, this is the vein. This is how I do it, and I'm I'm comfortable with that. But to have that person come back 12 years later, um, you know, and I wasn't even sure that they and search I, you out. Yeah, I wasn't even sure that they truly liked that course. But for her to for her to encourage her company to hire me for an entire year was pretty impressive. So I think it's that it's that real time feedback.
0: And I think just to stay in business for 18 years when you're basically relying on word of mouth says volumes as well.
1: Yeah, and it's like, again, it's that, ne- it's that naivete that I don't think about. I-, I always think about how can I do better, and I'm not usually doing a good enough job looking around. Um, so it, does mean a- it means a great deal to me in retrospect that people really did like the work because I did put my heart and soul into
0: it. <laughs> you did, and that's <laughs> awesome that they're coming back. Over a decade later, they yeah. say that's a really strong testimonial and you should be super proud.
1: Thanks, thanks, Rachel. I, I am proud, thanks.
0: I think probably in the course of 18 years you've uh, changed up what you've done a little bit, but in terms of where you spend your time, mm-hmm. especially back then when you were um, very scared that, that <laughs> I mean, walking away from a job is always scary and yeah. you know, it sounds like you were work- working very, very long hours. Uh, I hope you are getting more than three hours of sleep these days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what did you spend a bunch of time on back then that you're not spending that time on today so that you can actually get a full night's sleep?
1: The thing that I spent an extraordinary amount of time on was reading and research. And I still do spend a lot of time on reading and research, but I have a different formula, and I got that formula from my mentor, Nito Cobain, and he says 30 30 30 10 so 30% of your time earning 30% of your time learning 30% of your time serving and the other 10% you know doing that which that which you find even more blissful and just recognizing that you know there really can be a stop time I got another tip from a person who was doing in-home child care, mm-hmm. and because her office was in her home, meaning you, you live where you work, it was difficult for her to cut it off when the last child left for the day. Sure. And so she said she would walk, go out the front door, and she would walk three laps around her house, and in each of those laps, she would breathe and decompress and, you know,
0: Just try ready. to... Get herself in a different mental head space. Absolutely. To it's, actually go home from work. Yeah,
1: yep. And so when she came in the third time, you're right, she was she was home. So I think it's I think the thing that I don't do as much now is I don't toil. I trust the process, I trust the integrity by which I do the work. I trust that even if something doesn't go right I'm resilient enough to, to bounce back from it.
0: So you've cut down to no more than 30% of your time being spent on reading about all of the things. <laughs> because there is, there's a lot, and that's a pretty common problem I hear. It's just people spending all of their time and getting this big, long list of things they could potentially do to make their product better. Right. What would you say to somebody who's doing that today?
1: <laughs> I, I would say that there are learn what you, what you believe you need to learn fundamentally. And then take your head out of the book and look at how to apply what you're learning um, because application is the only way that that information and knowledge comes to life Spend a little more time having coffee and tea with with friends and, and people because in, in this industry focusing on leadership development and connection and communication if you're not connecting right outside sure. the work that you're doing is. Kind of for not. So you need to be a, you need to live what you're
0: doing. Yeah, I was going to say you're kind of setting a bad example if, right. you're, <laughs> if you're just heads down working and not.
1: You, you absolutely are. Not enjoying
0: it, not yeah. leading.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think the other thing is, um, I can't remember the name of the man. He owns a basketball team and he also did the, um, he did Victoria's Secret's first video televised fashion show okay i I don't remember his name but he was saying that when he figured out you know the programming and how to how to make this stream because he was the first person to do streaming and he said he worked himself to death for like seven years ouch in that seven years he said you know he worked seven days a week straight for seven years didn't take a vacation didn't take in anything and in that time he became really Um, sure (laughs) so I I think about that and I realize for those years that I was working really intensely I had gotten some feedback from some friends that said you know you used to be our fun friend and now you're not and so like we have you in the group because you're the fun friend we have the the mean person and the person that's super focused that spot's already taken (laughs) and it's not by you so if you could you know loosen up a little bit that'd be great
0: if you could go back to being you that'd be awesome.
1: And then I would say, but I've got all these things to focus on. And they're like, yeah, once again, you're here for a reason, and you're changing that reason, and we don't want you to, so go back to being you.
0: That's awesome that you had a group of friends honest enough to say those words.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I didn't want to, and I don't know that I was becoming necessarily weird, um, like weird in, in the sense that I, I can no longer relate to a person. I think I was just becoming mired down with the work, the burden of the work and the, you know, the accounting and the marketing and the this and the that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a ton to do.
1: There is. And so now I'm more more likely and more willing to let go of control if, if things don't turn out exactly perfectly. So there's times when I bring someone else in and I may say, so we should practice and... You know, we should practice and do this and do that uh, because there are some professionals that just do that and people thrive on that. And then if I get the pushback where a person says, well, I really prefer to do the concept and I'll do my own practice. And if you could just trust that, you know, you don't have to come all the way to Colorado for us to go about two days to go practice for this. Mm-hmm. And there's times when I'm like, man, I don't know. But there's other times where I say, you know what, I, I do trust I I trust what you do, I trust what I do, and I trust that what we do together will be the best right thing that can happen.
0: So that's actually a really nice um, segue into the question number three. What did you let go of? Because besides just reading, like you mentioned, you were doing accounting and all these other things. How many of those in 18 years have you let go of? So
1: I think the most important thing that I let go of was the need to have divine control over all things. Because the truth of the matter is, um, we really have control over very little, mm-hmm. and the work that I do doesn't require. It doesn't require the exactingness of an engineer building a bridge or a spaceship. It doesn't require the exacting of air traffic control, nor does it require the exacting of a surgeon. And so, when I let that pressure go, what I really let go of was the need to have control and just to to follow this Taoist principle that says. When you have a few, when you have a lump of clay and you're molding it into something, you, you you shape it into a bowl, it's the space inside that makes it useful. When you build a house with four walls, it's and you cut, carve out the windows and the doorways, it's the space that makes it useful. And that's what I really think about. My job is to create space for people to to have conversations. And that I need to be willing to create the same thing within myself, right? The ability within myself to allow people to create that space because whatever they say, the knowledge is in the room somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? Even Even if it has a prompt by this new theory or this methodology that we need to teach. But the knowledge is there. We just need to put it out there, invite the conversation, and allow for the space. For it to
0: happen. It's a really cool way of describing it. Thank you. So yeah, uh, so so when you make this space, it means you're not doing, you're getting a full night's sleep, you're not doing all of the things. How do you find the individual in Colorado or wherever to, to help you hold that space for yourself?
1: So part of it is just having conversations and having work with other people um, and asking other people who are in this same profession, the same space. Who do you know? Who are you interested in? I go to a number of conferences. Um, I even try to go to other conferences and breakout sessions in industries that aren't necessarily my own. Because I'm not looking for another me. I'm looking for someone who's very different from me um, to bring some magic into the space. So it's, it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of coffee and tea.
0: So personal referrals more than posting jobs up somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I'm not posting anything. It's a, it's a one-to-one kind of thing that happens. Yeah, I'm not going on LinkedIn to look for people, um, but I am linking in with people over cups of tea or virtual meetings just to say, hey, I'm curious about you. There might be, you know, let's see what we could create together.
0: So 18 years ago, <laughs> you started this on your own. Um, and I think uh, you've talked to me, at least offline a little bit, in in, in the ways that we know each other, mm-hmm. about how you really started out with this idea of only being responsible for yourself. Yeah. But I think in order to have created all this space for yourself, you probably work with quite a few people today. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about like when you realized you wanted to work with others and, and, and that change in mindset from being a f- 100% solo entrepreneur to sort of how things have or haven't changed.
1: So I don't know when the transition or when that aha moment happened for me. Let me think, let me think. It probably was, yeah, it was probably a, a really big project that was a statewide project that I worked on. And as I'm looking at the RFP and thinking about what do I need to do to, to make this work come to life, um, the first time I built this team, etc., we actually ended up missing that deadline, which was a good thing because we didn't have the chops yet for it, but it did teach me that I knew to connect people more than I realized um, because I you know, would look at what's required and I was thinking, who do I know? How can this work? And I was thinking about how does this organization work? So we ended up submitting the art. They submitted it again a year and a half later. And by that time, I had really built this amazing relationship with this group of people from around the state. And we were ready. And managing that process, so not only being the lead facilitator, but being the project manager. And recognizing how to do that, that I think that project for me was the one where I said, this was so much fun. Now, it was work. It was very different work um, because it pulled a, a part of exhaustion out of me uh, <laughs> that I, yeah, I mean, because you're waiting for somebody to submit their writing so so-and-so can review it, and when that deadline gets missed, who's the person that ends up filling in the gap? It's always the project manager. But I was really happy about that and i decided consciously that i was going to move forward in that same vein
0: so you waited literally until you didn't have another choice until you got an opportunity that was too big to go solo on
1: yeah yeah um and i realized that we were better together
0: so you would totally do it again obviously from there on out yeah but would you if you could go back and have done it sooner
1: i absolutely would have done it sooner um Yeah, I absolutely would have done it sooner. I think that I would have learned some of those work-life balance and boundary and other things a lot sooner. Um, But I think the important thing, so that I'm not, so it's something, it's advice that I would give to someone else. But I would also say that what I needed to learn happened at the right time for me. But anyone who's looking for advice, I would say connect with people sooner and be okay with depending on people sooner And people do come through a lot more than not. You know, there are some times when you find yourself scrambling because so-and-so wasn't able to meet that deadline or they understood the scope differently than you did. Sure. Sure, that's going to happen. But the, the way that you handle that reminds you, right, that you've got this level of grace. So even if someone couldn't get it in even after the project was done I'd say what you offered was still valuable and still important and I would still work with you in the future so keeping those relationships going and recognizing that in every profession every person needs grace
0: well sure, so we're all human right
1: right yeah we all need some grace and we all need that space to learn and again it's it's really a good balance of me practicing. I'm a practitioner of that which I facilitate.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's important to to sort of try and do what you say. Yeah. Um, so
1: I really hope that I really hope that the lessons learned I have are going to be helpful for someone in your audience because. Entrepreneur is certainly not for suckers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think that uh, a lot of people's first instinct is to try and talk people out of it. And I love the thing I heard recently about, like, like, yes, absolutely. The first thing anybody should tell you is don't do it. (laughs) But if you make it past that, then okay, you might actually be ready for this.
1: Yeah. I think one other thing that I'm learning, um, because I'm also moving into the keynote speaking space, I... Kino speak about the same things I facilitate on, but someone said, you know, the best time to learn an in industry is when you're not in it. A little bit.
0: <laughs> I could see why that might be true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm also glad that, you know, even though I spent you know, an extraordinary amount of time learning and, and working on uh, myself to become the best facilitator I could be, is that I always kept my debt, my personal debt, very low. Um,
0: like favors owed or... Um... Or actual financial?
1: Actual, yeah, actual, my own financial debt. Yeah, keeping my financial debt. Uh, Favor zone, I, I always think that, you know, I'm always going to be indebted to people um, because people who give wise words like 30, 30, 30, 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, and treat every person as if they're one day you'd be your boss. All of those little nuggets of wisdom, I don't know that I'll ever be able to repay that. Um, because I wouldn't even know how to begin.
0: Yeah, I feel like those are more pay it forward, right?
1: Right? Oh, yeah, that's a good <laughs> way to think about it. Um, but yeah, my own personal debt. So that, you know, when times were lean, and there you know, certainly are some times when things are lean, I'm not fretting. And I'm not necessarily worried about what's what. Now, the Other people are really good at taking on better, bigger risks and, and growing more. It's not where I am. But I do what I do to stay in the space of grace, joy.
0: And I think that's really why people are doing it, right? They're doing it to try and have a life that they enjoy. So you're saying you don't actually need to take a giant investment and owe somebody millions of dollars to do that, right?
1: In my case, I don't. Um, now, if I were in a different industry, like construction or law or something else, of course there's you know more equipment, etc. But fortunately... Um, the I think the greatest expense that I have in this business is really technology um, yeah technology and investing in um, you know IT security and portals and things to keep customer and participant information safe and that's that cost grows and grows and grows every right year <laughs> sure
0: it's, a, it's an uphill battle definitely oh my gosh.
1: yeah but I really appreciate that I really appreciate that um, you know, I can afford to take on a project with a nonprofit who may not have a really big budget because I really care about the work that they're doing, and I can still care about the big company that does have a, a budget that would settle. Um, you know, that would make everything work out. So it's a nice space to be in.
0: Nice. So, any other sort of advice you want to leave anybody with today?
1: Uh, yeah. Learn all you can. Don't be faint of heart, and if you have a product or a process that you believe in, follow it. Follow it through. Um, follow it. Follow. Follow yourself down that rabbit hole. You might really enjoy the journey, and I think everybody will come out all the better for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're 18 years in, and you look like you're still thoroughly enjoying every mm-hmm. minute of it.
1: I am. I am, um, and I, I can say the same for you, Rachel. I mean, you, like you really. <laughs> have loved every step of your career and, and all the
0: steps in your life. So This this latest chapter is especially fun, that's for sure. I'm excited for you. Thanks for
1: thanks
0: for creating this. Yeah, thank you for joining me today. Really great talking. Thanks for listening. Visit greatertogetherpodcast.com for more episodes, to submit a question for next season, to recommend a guest, and to leave feedback. Greater Together is brought to you by Greater Columbus Consulting helping focus your vision, organize your operations, and grow your organization. Greater Columbus Consulting specializes in social enterprises, nonprofits that want to capitalize on their strengths, and for-profit businesses that are working towards a higher purpose.